This is COVID-19 Seattle. I'm Dave Ross. And I'm Aaron Granillo. Several districts across the state are preparing for in-person learning, or at least a hybrid option. That includes schools in Kittitas, Grant, and Asotin counties, where cases are lower than in western Washington, but still above the recommended levels to safely reopen. Just a few weeks ago, Superintendent Chris Rakedahl said it was unsafe for a majority of the state's students to return for in-person learning. And even though they have been preparing since last spring, school districts still are not ready to do remote learning effectively. That is according to the executive director of the Washington State Parent Teacher Association, Andrew Estip. In a virtual town hall yesterday, he says there are still big problems with online access for all students and districts still aren't ready to do things right. The three months of summer that we've had still hasn't been enough time not to adequately provide for all of the changes that would need to be made in order to virtualize this effectively. So it's still not going to be happy. Estep is saying what we all know, the kids learn best in person. There is so much data out there, so much science out there that tells us that education happens best in the classroom. And we saw this last spring how very difficult it was to try to do this remotely. WSPTA is following the guidance of the state and local health officials that kids should only go back to school when it's safe. The guidance is follow the rules of the county public health department. If the county public health department says don't meet, then we don't have school in classrooms. So do you think we spent a little too much time this summer debating how to bring kids back to school uh, and not enough time just kind of accepting this reality and getting things in motion? I guess it depends on the district. I was talking to the CEO of Impact Schools, which is a group of charter schools, and they saw this coming for a while and began this week with in-person socially distanced meetings in their parking lots, in the school parking lots, one-on-one with parents and uh, students. So the teachers could at least establish a relationship with each parent and student in their classes so that at least when online learning starts, the, the picture on the uh, on the iPad is not some stranger you'd never met before, but someone who you know and who has uh, expectations of you. And they're hoping that by making sure that that relationship is firmly established at the start of the, the school year, it will motivate kids more. Yeah, I hope so. Um, now that we are in this reality of you know the majority of students across the state doing remote learning, uh, we're hearing from people who say their mental health is just as important as actually doing the learning. So this is the advice of the director of a youth mental health program in Spokane. Her name is Allie Gibson. Talk with your kids about what's going on. How's this sitting with you? We've talked a lot about how are you going to learn? How are you going to do your homework? Do you need a space in the house? All the logistics of distance learning. Um, But have we had a conversation of, man, how's that sitting with you? It's not just the younger kids either. Uh, She says teenagers are no exception, but you'll need to ask better and more open-ended questions if you have you know, kids in high school, for instance. With our middle school to high school youth, any parent or teacher of this grade will say, you get, I don't know, I'm fine. So have some questions in the back of your mind of how do I explore that a little bit further with them. Dave, since you've already raised kids, and I know you've never experienced anything quite like this, do you have any advice for parents of <laughs> middle and high school age kids? Well, uh, you have to be there when they start to express loneliness because they can't see their friends. Uh, You need to be there to explain to them why this is necessary. 
And uh, you need to be there to help motivate them, I think, mm. most of all. Uh, the reason that in-person learning works best is because I, I certainly felt this. I wanted, to, I wanted my teacher to be pleased with my work. There's, there's no substitute for a teacher saying uh, two words, good job, mm. right? Or it's amazing the way you've improved over the last two months or so. And without that reassurance, I think you ask, why am I doing this? Why am I going through all this work? And usually what what motivates you is to to uh, be rewarded by someone, to be encouraged by someone. And and usually that's your teacher. But since the teacher's not going to be there, then I think the parents are going to have to assume some of that role. Here's something that I know for a fact, Dave, you would have never even thought of suggesting to your kids when they were going through school. How about Zoom hangouts with the close <laughs> friends? Here's what uh, Allie Gibson has to say about that. What are some new ways that we can connect virtually? What are some new ways we can connect socially that's appropriate distance? Maybe it's meeting at a park. It's masking up. It's having conversations via Zoom. I know for me, I, I'm not in school. Uh, obviously, I'm older. But, I mean, I just had a Zoom hangout last night with mm-hmm. a, a friend of mine I haven't seen since college, right? So, mm-hmm. um it does work. It does bring some joy. We have a, a group of uh, four of us guys who we had lunch together once a month. Can't mm-hmm. do that now. And so we do it on Zoom and it, it uh, works pretty well. Plus, if the conversation gets boring, you can do other things. Yeah. One more note, because we do have some updated guidance for schools from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Uh, and this is actually based on updated guidance from the World Health Organization. But uh, the WHO is saying mask wearing by children, notably saying that those between 6 to 11 years old should wear them still to fight the coronavirus, but that it depends a little bit on the severity of local outbreaks. And now it says that kids under 6 years old should not wear masks. This is, again, according to the WHO, hmm. while saying those over 12 should wear them just like adults should saying in cases where physical distancing cannot be insured and in areas of high transmission rates. It's it's just confusing because, I, you know, what was it, two weeks ago they were saying everybody under uh, over two should wear them. Now it's six. I don't know. I guess just the best Have option they explained is, why that is? I, it, it's mainly, I think it's because kids are, the evidence showing they are, of course, less susceptible of catching the virus yeah. and I think just, you know, less likely to spread it. So... Uh, and I don't know, maybe the fact that it's just harder for kids under six to wear them in the first place. I don't know if that has much to do with it. But, yeah, that's the updated guidance. I was a little surprised to see that today myself. Well, that's good. I mean, as you know more, then I guess you have to change the guidelines rather than stick with something that wasn't working. The head of the Food and Drug Administration is apologizing for overstating the life-saving benefits of convalescent plasma in treating COVID-19. Commissioner Dr. Stephen Hahn also tells CBS this morning that politics did not play a role in the FDA issuing that emergency use authorization for the treatments. The data that we need, which is a risk-benefit assessment uh, for an emergency use authorization, were meant by the data that we received. President Trump announced that decision on Sunday on the eve of the Republican National Convention that fueled speculation that the decision was politically motivated. Others in the medical field criticized this announcement after Dr. Hahn had claimed that 35 out of 100 people would survive COVID-19 if they were treated with plasma. He clarified the remarks, saying the data shows the treatment provides, quote, a relative risk reduction, not an absolute 
risk reduction. These data uh, totally support the uh, emergency use authorization that we issued. And we've been working on this for three or four weeks. I was texting with our own Dr. Cohen this morning, and uh, he said he was happy to see this because he was one of those who was critical of the the way it was stated, saying that without a placebo test, you really can't say that it's, um, whatever they said, 35 percent. Yeah. Uh, effective. But he also points out that plasma treatment is essentially a blood transfusion, which doctors do all the time and which they are free to do if they feel it's medically indicated. So uh, essentially, this seems to be a tad exaggerated. One more note uh, on federal updates, by the way. The CDC is no longer recommending travelers to quarantine for 14 days after returning from trips overseas. Guidelines have changed, but the agency still cautions travelers that they can still, of course, contract the virus while traveling and, of course, spread it to others. So essentially just saying do all of the safety measures you would do on a daily basis, continue to social distance, wear your mask and monitor your conditions after you return from trips if you do go overseas or to another state for that matter. Boy, the way this is all changing, Aaron, it's a good thing that we do the COVID-19 update and the people listen every day, isn't it? Yes, it is, Dave. (laughs) We will be back tomorrow and every day after with a 10-minute rundown of the daily local news. You can subscribe to this podcast. You can also find our news coverage on MyNorthwest.com or listen live at 97.3 FM.